Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Upside.com, a new way to buy business travel. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. That saves your company so much money, they're able to reward you in the form of popular gift cards every time you buy a trip. Visit Upside.com and use promo code TRIP to get at least a $100 Amazon gift card the first time you buy a trip. Save on business travel and get a gift card every time. Minimum purchase required. See Upside.com promo code TRIP for complete details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Speaking of Green. I am your hostess, Beth Bond, curator of Sustainable News at Southeast Green, and hostess on Speaking of Green. Today we are going to be talking about good news on solar from Florida. And as many of my listeners know, or those folks who follow me um, on Southeast Green or Twitter know, there hasn't been a lot of good news. They defeated the bill last election cycle. That would have been really negative to solar, but their governor, Rick Scott, has been very vocal about how Florida was going to be natural gas, and they only have one strategy for energy down there, and that is natural gas, which is ironic because they don't pump any natural gas in Florida. It's all pumped and um, piped in, So, um, which for those of us in Georgia is a little aggravating, A, and B, of course, a, a, a one strategy fits all for the largest state in the southeast uh, side of Southeast Green's uh, listenership is a little short-sighted. So uh, there was a bill that was passed this week. It's actually going to be a tax credit for the state of Florida, and our guest today is Susan Glickman, who is the Florida Director of the SACE Action Fund. She has worked with Southern Alliance for Clean Energy since 2001 as a consultant and lobbyist and was named Florida Director in August of 2013. Susan has a background in running political campaigns and also directs SACE's Action Fund in the Sunshine State. A native of Florida, Susan has consulted with many national organizations such as Natural Resources Defense Council, Series Advanced, sorry, hold on one second. Advanced. Energy Economy, Union of Concerned Science, Scientists, Physicians for Social Responsibility, Vote Solar, Clean Energy Group, Environmental Defense Fund, and Clean Air Task Force. She developed and directed the Florida Business Network for a Clean Energy Economy, a coalition of business leaders working together to advance the clean energy economy. After Prior to the energy and climate issues, Susan worked with a grant at the FDA Authority to regulate tobacco with the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, to institute a nationwide health tracking system with Trust for America's Health and for the first time to fund prostate cancer research with the National Prostate Cancer Coalition. Susan was recently appointed by Governor Rick Scott to the Florida Commission on Volunteer Service. She was a founding chair of the Florida Commission on the Status of Women. Susan grew up in Tampa attending St. John's Episcopal Day School and the Academy of the Holy Names. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in speech from the University of Texas at Austin and an AA from Florida State University, which is my alma mater. Go Knowles. Susan resides in Bel Air Beach on Florida's Central Gulf Coast. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Beth. How are you? 
I am fine. So we appreciate you joining us um, on such short notice because we've done this in less than 24 hours. And um, we just could not wait to have you on and tell us about all the good legislative news in Florida about solar. Great. Well, we did have some good news, and it really stems out of a ballot initiative that uh, was on the August primary ballot in Florida. It was called Amendment 4, and Amendment 4 will reduce taxes on solar and make the economics um, more, make more sense and should really help a great deal in opening up Florida's market to solar. We've been way behind despite being the sunshine state and having a tremendous solar, um, you know, sort of opportunity there. Uh, We've really lagged far behind. And in 2015, uh, solar advocates, including the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy that I work with, but also from the Tea Party network across the political spectrum to to Greenpeace and even the business community with the Retail Federation and Restaurant Lodging all got together and pressed a citizen-led initiative around uh, third-party sales, which we call the Solar Choice, Floridians for Solar Choice. Um, And while that initiative uh, did not make it onto the ballot, it created so much uh, enthusiasm and interest around solar that that press uh, the legislature in the uh, previous session in 2016 uh, to place Amendment 4 on the ballot. So what that does is Florida already um, abates residential uh, solar systems from real property taxes. So if you have a $100,000 home and you put up a $20,000 system, your real property taxes are only going to be gauged at 100000 So what we've now done is we've expanded that to commercial as well. And then in addition, we are now going to abate uh, the tangible uh, personal property taxes. So it's very similar if you own apartments and you pay taxes on your refrigerators or stoves or in an office copy machines. But uh, solar um, developers and solar companies had been, you know, telling uh, advocates for years that that was really creating a barrier to solar in Florida. Uh, They did settle on an 80% 20% split, which for bigger solar developers is actually preferable. Because if you have a solar project, and I'm talking about utility scale solar, um, it's nice for the local governments, for the counties to have, you know, some skin in the game when it comes to permitting. Um, We're not as happy about that 80-20 split for residential, uh, especially in a state like Florida with 67 counties. Um, It will be somewhat of a a, a paperwork uh, challenge. Uh, But I think once everybody kind of sorts it out and, and the local Florida Solar Energy Industries Association can sort of help manage, uh, you know, the disclosure forms and some of the other um, um, sort of provisions in the bill, which, you know, probably are to many, if, uh, in, in many ways, duplicative to some of the disclosures that they're already uh, conforming with. Uh, but it was part of the uh, sausage making and Tallahassee and uh, got put in the bill along the way. There are some other at uh, points during the legislative session, uh, some some very concerning language that we're going to allow the utilities um, and also the Florida Public Commission, uh, which has been very, um, um, you know, uh, just uh, just uh, co- just 
working with, so closely with the utilities and sort of rubber stamping their proposals and their plans. And so when the utilities themselves and the Public Service Commission were going to get new uh, discretion to uh, create standards for reliability and safety and performance, we had some strong concerns about those provisions in the bills, but, but that uh, got out during the legislative process in the Commerce Committee. So all in all, uh, we made a big step forward for solar um, in Florida uh, with the implementation of Amendment 4. It still goes to the governor's desk and needs to be either signed by the governor or if the governor just does not act on it, it, it would become law. Uh, the governor, you know, theoretically could veto it. We don't expect that. Um, he, we, we, we expect that he probably will sign that um, legislation in the next uh, probably few weeks. It just depends on when that lands on his desk. But uh, so the session just ended, in fact, last night, uh, last evening, and uh, we're happy to, uh, to have had that success uh, this session. Right, so let's unpack the uh, the residential side a little deeper, so people can really understand what's going to happen. So tell us, tell us. I'm a homeowner. I go and buy solar for my roof. What happens to me in regards to taxes? Well, because we have had since 2013 an abatement on real property taxes for solar. So that's not going to change. Um, there, This will open up sort of financing. So if you wanted to get a leased solar system, so in Florida, while we have a prohibition against third-party sales, you actually could lease the solar equipment. But because of the tax on the tangible personal property, that was uh, – sort of making the, 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 the pencil, you know, not sharpened enough, that the economics weren't making sense, but they will no longer be able to tax, uh, put that tangible tax on, well, at least 80% of it. So you'd only pay 20%. So these are going to be for the scenarios where someone doesn't have the upfront money, just like someone might lease a car rather than buy a car, and they would lease the solar equipment. So um, you know, this is all brand new, and it hasn't been, the governor either signs it or or lets it become law. You know, we're, we're, we haven't enacted it fully yet. So I don't know exactly how that plays out, you know, on the precise cost, solar companies, that this will make the economics of those deals uh, make more sense. So it's going to be more affordable. And in recent years, a lot of the growth in solar has been through, through leasing. You know, again, not everybody can afford that upfront cost. Um, while solar, as we know, has just come down exponentially to begin with. And I think you'll see, you know, more people, you know, who who can afford to get the upfront cost where they actually buy the system. I think you may end up seeing more people financing solar systems, financing the sale of the panels. And then you're going to see other companies whose model is, is really a lease model. So I think there's just going to be uh, more opportunities and more interest really across the whole state. So does that mean that you should ex start expecting to see Sunrun and Home Depot partnering with a national installer? Do you think that's what's going to happen? 
I suspect that you will see that. Um, Solar City has already made an entrance into Florida. Uh, Vivint is also in Florida, and I know Sunrun had a, an interest in this legislation as well. So I know lots of folks are looking at it. We're, we're such a large market, um, you know, and we, we've just been really behind the curve on this. So I think there's a lot of pent-up interest. I can tell you from working on the solar initiatives and all of the, you know, work I do where I'm speaking to groups and, and, and appearing at events and things, um, there's just enormous amount of interest and in people are seeing solar all over the country. So I think you're going to see companies like that uh, come into Florida or expand what they're already doing in Florida. So, I mean, I've spent a good deal of time educating folks on the fact that it's ironic that the Sunshine State was so far behind, while other, like, what you would consider much more conservative states like Georgia and South Carolina um, were, you know, sort of really ramping up their solar. Do you think it was truly the action of that bill passing in August? Like, what is the change? Because it's hard for me to believe that the governor's really had a change of heart because he's been so adamantly opposed to it. You know, I think that there just comes a point at which where you can't hold back progress anymore. I think to some extent we saw that in the telecommunications industry as the cost for phones and computers and everything, you know, started to come down and, you know, uh, up until this point, and I've been working on energy and climate issues since 1999. So I've been deeply engaged not only in the legislative process, but at the, Florida Public Service Commission, which are our regulators, and truly it has been the influence of the big, you know, monopoly investor-owned utilities that their business model is such that they get a guaranteed range of a rate of return. For instance, Florida Power and Light uh, typically gets 11.5% rate of return on their capital expenditure. So they make more money the more concrete they put in the ground every time they build a natural gas plant or, you know, transmission lines and, and, you know, pipelines and the like. So if, you know, that's how you make money, you're going to do your best to, to a minimum. And that's really uh, what we've had. So, so many other states, whether they adopted renewable portfolio standards, which, as you know, was something popular. We, we don't see a lot of new renewable portfolio standards coming online, but there was a period of time, and we sat on the sidelines. I mean, in 2009, the Florida Senate passed a renewable portfolio standard, but then uh, that was uh, not passed in the House, so it failed ultimately. So there were sort of uh, attempts over the years to do certain things. Um, the, we have every five years a, uh, a process called the Florida Energy Efficiency and Conservation Act, FECA, where they do conservation goal setting, and there was some solar you know, set aside in that um, in those conservation goals, and that was all wiped out, um, you know, recently, actually, after the 2014 uh, conservation goal setting. So it's been a very um, organized and orchestrated effort by, you know, big monopoly utilities that, uh, you know, have a captive set of customers to kind of keep solar at bay in the state of Florida. And it's uh, even uh, though they st have started down the path of more utility 
scale solar, that was pretty minimal, uh, you know, over the course of years. And it, there was a always a kind of a campaign being run to negate solar in general, you know, kind of this constant, um, I don't know, almost propaganda of that, you know, how solar is intermittent and it's not, you know, baseload energy. And, you know, the former Florida head of Duke Energy that's now up uh, it, it, in their uh, offices in North Carolina was famous for saying, Florida's not the sunshine state, it's the partly cloudy state. And one of the public service commissioners who still serves on the commission uh, said, you know, the sunshine state is just a license plate slogan. And we know, and I happen to be a Florida native, uh, that that's really nonsense. But it was part of a campaign to just make people think that solar was, you know, kind of not ready for prime time and, and, you know, just not going to meet our needs. And now it's interesting because as the utilities are moving more toward uh, really bringing on utility-scale solar, you know, we can see in their filings, you know, if Florida Power and Light had a, a recent filing to you know, recover costs for new solar, then we are utterly supportive of Florida Power and Light and all the utilities building lots of utility-scale solar for sure. And they're now looking at it as, um, you know, a way – to meet need and a way to avoid building power plants, which is what it was. It always had the potential. They really downplayed that. And I just think it's an effort to just kind of continue that really great sweetheart deal they have, you know, with a monopoly, understandably. And uh, But you can only hold things back, um, you know, for so long. And I had a smart journalist say to me one day, you know, if Florida was a country, they could probably and when you start to come uh, Susan lots of other states you mentioned Georgia is a great example um, I'm pretty familiar with with what went on when you know through an integrated resource planning process you know Georgia um, public utility commissioners you know just sort of demanded um, there was some leadership there and they demanded that the utilities you know make some significant goals with utility scale solar in Georgia and you know it's going that industry is going very well there and we've kind of lacked leadership and that's why the 2015 solar choice amendment was so important because we couldn't get progress through the legislature because of the undue influence of the utilities. But once we took it to citizens and we had the Tea Party, which also the Tea Party um, conservatives were very much a part of what went on in Georgia, may have been really a crucial part because they come in to support a solar and what I call the free market competition door. You know, other people come in because they care about the environment and emissions and, you know, not having coal-fired power plants. And then that's not, you know, where the conservatives necessarily come in. Although we also have, for instance, the Christian Coalition in Florida is a very strong supporter, and they do care a lot about um, stewardship, you know, in, in what they call creation care for the environment. So everybody comes for a different reason. But I think in large part it was because of the citizens coming together across this political spectrum creating this interest and, and activity around 
solar that uh, pressed some of the lawmakers uh, to provide some leadership and, and move on this thing. But, you know, at some point, you know, the cat's out of the bag that the cost of solar has come down and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a really uh, vital, important way uh, to meet our energy needs. And, and, and lastly, as a Floridian, you know, we've been sending, you know, just billions of dollars a year out of state to bring in fuel from elsewhere. So it's a tremendous savings ultimately, you know, when you, you, you save on the fuel. And once you've paid for that solar system, you're going to get that, that fuel for, for free. So people are really, you know, combining that understanding with the fact that the costs simply, you know, have, have, have dropped. Uh, that's just making the economics of it uh, make sense. I, I think you're going to see a big growth in commercial uh, projects. Uh, for example, the Anheuser-Busch distributor in Pinellas County, where, where St. Petersburg and Clearwater is in the Tampa Bay area, uh, put up solar a megawatt and a half. It was $6.2 million, and they estimate a six-year payback. And this is on their cold storage facility for beer. So it's sort of a perfect example of a business that really wasn't doing it for the environment. They're doing it because they're going to save $6 million in electricity costs. So you're going to see companies like that now that the real property tax is being abated and then the tangible tax, or you'll probably see companies coming in and leasing equipment on top of, of big grocery chains like Publix in, in, in our area um, and, and other big box stores. So I think you're just going to see solar start to pop up uh, fairly quickly here, uh, both commercial projects and also residential. Well, um Ironically, I was born in Tampa also, um, and my sister lives in Clearwater. And I know there was um, somebody who put up a very near – she's up on the north end of Clearwater. Uh, and there was a big corporation, and I can't remember who put in parking, a solar parking cover. Do you know which one that is? I imagine that you're talking about Lockheed Martin. That's it, Lockheed which Martin. Is, yeah. And amazing, right? Yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. I mean, you – You've seen, I mean, obviously Lockheed Martin is a private company, and they do do uh, provide uh, products and so forth, often in military settings. And, you know, we've seen the military uh, move in a big way. Uh, one of the most interesting projects now, and it's, it's under development, is, is a three uh, uh, projects that total 120 megawatts. It's a power purchase agreement with Gulf Power up in the Panhandle, and Gulf Power is part of Southern Company, so one of the biggest utilities in the country. Their Gulf Power is rather small in the state of Florida, but but nonetheless, and these three projects are on military bases up in the Panhandle. So you know you've seen the Department of Energy, I mean, excuse me, the Department of Defense, uh, and the military in general put a lot of emphasis on. Uh, you know, energy independence. So you're starting to see a real interesting uh, collision. So I'm not surprised to see a company like Lockheed Martin. And if you're like I was, a, I'm a Tampa native and uh, as well, and it's hot. So the fact that you can not only get solar energy to, you know, um, account for at least some part of your, your electricity needs, but the fact that people can park in the shade is a really huge deal, and you know what I'm talking about, because, boy, you can get in your car in the heat of the summer, and it is, is super hot. So people love it. I have heard that um, from 
a lot of companies that have put up solar uh, parking, you know, canopy parking, and I think it's just, just terrific. If you go into a shopping center in Florida and there's a couple trees in a parking lot, you see everyone hovering under the tree to get the shade. So if we can uh, make that widely available, and, and they actually are fairly you know, attractive. They're, they're certainly not an eyesore um, as well. So I think it looks good, and uh, I'm just happy to see it going up, and I think we're going to start to see solar integrated into our lives and, and maybe in ways we, we, we hadn't really imagined uh, before. Um, one of the, the mayor of South Miami uh, just told me the other day that they were working on an ordinance that would require solar in new construction. And he, he's a very, uh, Philip Stoddard, the mayor of South Miami, is a very brilliant and, and forward-thinking mayor. So he'll be leading the charge on that. But once you start to see that and to see it um, work effectively, and, and that's what I meant when I said the cat's out of the bag. I mean, people travel all over and they see solar and, you know, we've all been walking around Florida shaking our heads and, and going, you know, you know, why not here in the Sunshine State? And instead of sending billions of dollars a year out of state to bring back gas and all the infrastructure required, not to mention the pollution, you know, in the fracking process and the emissions from gas plants and the pipelines and the transmission lines, I mean, why wouldn't we, you know, create little power plants on everybody's roof and, and your from Tampa, so you know what it looks like to go on Interstate 4 from Tampa to Orlando. I mean, it is a just a sea of warehouses, big flat roofs, uh, and, and we know those folks want to offset their electric bills as well. So I think you're going to start to see uh, more and more of that, and this legislation is going to just you know, move the needle a little bit down on the cost where, where I think the economics are just going to kind of win the day here. And I think you're going to see the utilities adopt more, more and more of it at utility scale. And who knows, they may even open up their own, um, you know, solar companies to do residential. They certainly could do that. I certainly would do that if I was one of the big utilities because, you know, people are used to dealing with their utility and they already have sort of a relationship with them. Um, another thing that's been really interesting in Florida that's been popping up is a solar co-op program uh, that's a collaboration with Community Power uh, Network, which is a national um, group, and they teamed up with the Florida Week League of Women Voters. And if anyone wants to learn more about it, it's at flsun.org, flsun.org. And essentially, it's a very simple concept. You know, they come into a community, you sign up for free to be a member of the co-op, and then they put out a request for proposal and select a solar company. So you have the comfort, if it's all new to you, of working with a solar company that's been vetted. So you, you have some confidence in the quality of their work. And then you get a little bit lower price, probably 15% lower than what's the going rate. And so they come in and then it works for the solar company because they're doing, you know, some, you know, a, you know kind of a considerable amount of work in a particular area, and I think that makes the economics work better for them as well. So FL Sun is, is working the solar co-ops, and then, you know, and then there's companies that have been working in Florida for just decades, and, um, you know, they're just busier than ever. We've got solar up on Legoland. The Tampa Airport has solar, and we're just starting to see 
um, to see it pop up in very visible places. And I think as that happens, people are going to just embrace it more. It's going to be a bit of a snowball. Um, but it's, it's exciting to finally see Florida kind of, you know, take its place. And uh, I, hopefully soon I'll be back on the show and we'll be bragging about that we are finally, you know, leaders in solar. So we, we, we've got an opportunity here and I, I think it's going to evolve that way. Um, and I'm feeling pleased that we're finally making some progress. Well, I would be thrilled um, because people think I'm from Alabama because my formative years were spent in Alabama. I never really talk about my Florida roots, but I have family all <laughs> over the state um, and convinced my oh, cousin to get solar. So he was an early adopter of uh, microinverters, and the guy's like, how do you even know about microinverters? He's like, I got this geeky, geeky cousin up in, in Atlanta who knows a lot about solar. <laughs> so I am really excited for the state also, and I think it's, far time for this to get rolling. I do want to ask you really quick about this Florida Sun because you called it a co-op, but we recognize that program as something that is called Solarized Program as well as an NREL model. Is is that is that because co-op solar to us is is when like they build a big field and you you buy five panels. Right. It is not, you know, okay. these terms are interesting because they are, people use them differently because sometimes people call that uh, more like community solar where you buy into right. a solar uh, project. So it is, it is, um, it is not that at all. It is just a volume buying opportunity and okay. each individual person has to figure out their own financing. So whether or not right. they are able to buy it outright or they go to, there is a bank in Florida, um, it's not across the state, but particularly in Central Florida called First Green Bank, and they all right. offer solar financing products. So, you know, you still have to get your own financing, but it's not like a centralized buying a share. It is actually putting panels on your roof aimed at, aimed at residential. Yeah, so, yeah, we've just finished a solarized, we call it a solarized program based on the NREL document sort of uh, program that they've done, and we just finished here in my in my area 700 kW with residential solar installed. Oh, we're happy. So, oh, that's great. Um, and then you're saying people buy shares in, in it. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's a solarized program. So basically it's a group bulk purchasing program with a very heavy education side. So that's why you're calling it a co-op program sort of, our impression is is they're called solarized programs. So, um, got it. Co-op to us would be, you know, you buy five panels in a big array somewhere gotcha, out in some gotcha. fields. So, well, that is yeah, language that really is. That's the that's what the League of Women Voters calls it. So I, I sort of use their term, but I do understand, and I've heard all those terms being used interchangeably. But I guess that's uh, since you know these kinds of programs are new, relative whether it's you know, community solar where you buy shares. I actually just read a story today about uh, a, a person actually out of Florida, but that's doing financing for wind projects and then selling shares of that as well. So it is very interesting about the new ways to finance, um, you know, solar or wind for that matter. 
And, you know, I've been kind of harping on that in speaking uh, to groups for quite some time. It, the fact of the matter is is what, you, what the utilities have over people is the ability to finance a new power plant on your electricity bill. And with all these other opportunities to finance, and I, and I love, you know, the idea of being able to buy shares in a, in a big community solar project. That's awesome. And then, you know, solar co-op, Florida style is just one one other way, but you'll have to check that out. But the word solar co-op was really devised by the League of Women Voters and this community power network. Um, so we'll, we ought to all come together and get our terms aligned, right? Right, because we I'm also following some um, issues up in South Carolina, and it's all confused up there, too. It, it is very confusing. But that's one of the challenges with solar, right? I mean, people, yeah. we think... And those of us who are advocates are guilty because it's like, oh, it's plug and play. But it's not really plug and play. And it's it's a little more complicated. And so when you start really spending time educating people about solar, you know, you got, you got to talk about interconnect. And, you know, you could be in a county talking to people and they could have two EMCs, a MEAG and, yeah. you know, Duke, you know, or Georgia Power right. or, you know, FPL. So it, it, it can be a little challenging. So I do want to encourage everyone in Florida to get solar. That's the number one thing. But to understand it's it's not quite as simple as, you know, buy a new iPhone and then charge it kind of thing. There are some twists and turns, and there's lots of good, valuable uh, solar installers already down in Florida who will be able to help work that out and do the education and figure it out. And we really love First Green Bank. Like I said, we've been interviewing and talking solar with him oh, for a long great. time. So I'm thrilled to hear he is a part of this uh, League of Women Voters uh, initiative. Well, it's interesting so, when you say it's not plug and play. Every single structure is different. You know, you right. do not know on your house or your business or whatever exactly, you know, how many panels you can put up and where's the shade and, you know, what's the direction and all of that until, you know, you get something personalized. Now, that's fairly easy now with Google Earth, right? They can just look at your roof and have a pretty darn good idea of how many panels and what's going to make sense. So it's not overly complicated ultimately, but it's if people are asking, I'm sure they do to you as well, they always ask you, to, well, what would it cost? And it's like, well, right. I don't know. It depends on how big your roof is, you know, and how much right. electricity you use and what's the cost of electricity. And, uh, and then I believe very soon, you know, battery storage of some type is going to become the absolute norm. It's going to be um, better. It's going to be cheaper. And, you know, that's going to be a whole nother, um, you know, sort of animal when you can, you know, store up that energy and then use it at night. And then we're going to have yet another level of integration. I fully believe that, you know, we're all going to be driving our $32,000 Bolt or Tesla and you park it in your car and you plug in your house and you're effectively going to run your refrigerator and your air conditioner at night off your, you know, Tesla battery or whatever. And, I mean, that's going to be a whole nother, uh, you know, need to integrate. And, again, it's not uncomplex, but it can all be done. And, and, and once we set up a system for that, I think it will, you know, probably be pretty darn seamless. Well, I would <laughs> – it it will I don't, it will be seamless if you're a new homeowner, right? Because it'll be built into the home, yeah. and then it'll be done. So from yeah. that standpoint, yes. In regards to retrofitting, like it's the same thing as like the idea of retrofitting the grid to go 
you know, all underground. It's it's not feasible in yeah. the United States. It's, there's too much money invested. But I, I do believe there will be whole communities exactly as you described. But the, the, the key reality of it will be is, is people won't have to think about it. The community will be yeah. done and people will just buy into it. So, um, yeah, because absolutely. It, 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 We're seeing that already. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. like to retire in a community like that, so that would be really cool. Um, so, well, Susan, we're going to run out of time, and I would just love to geek out more with you on solar. I always love to talk about solar, especially when there's such good news for my home state. Um, and I will be sharing this information because there are so many people down in Florida who really have been waiting for something that seems to be a momentum shift. Even if the legislation doesn't affect them directly, it's a momentum shift where people can feel comfortable to move forward. Absolutely, and when you open up a big market like Florida, that is also going to help to to bring out sort of competition and driving the price down, and then I think you're going to feel that even outside Florida's borders. Um, I mean, it really, in the same way, many years ago, Germany making a commitment to clean energy helped drive the cost down, and Florida being really the largest certainly market east of Mississippi, but one of the largest markets in the country without kind of good solar policy, I think it's going to help uh, break down some barriers uh, truly. And I think we'll see that particularly, you know, on, in, in the southeast. Right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for your time. If people want to get more information, they can go to cleanenergy.org, right? Yeah, that's correct, and you can find me at Susan at CleanEnergy.org, and uh, I really appreciate, you know, to to be, be on with you and talk about this and, you know, send folks our way, particularly people that just want to go to the website and sign up so they can get action alerts and just get information, um, and we're always doing, you know, webinars and encouraging people to meet with their, their elected officials and, and to be a voice for solar, and we've got just just a lot of super active, uh, passionate uh, people across the state of Florida. So, so please, please join us as we, uh, we break these barriers down. Great. And, by the way, I'm also a Seminole, just in case we didn't have enough in common already. So, oh, there we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for your time. We'll look forward you to bet. speaking with you again for another update. Yeah. Okay. Hope uh-huh. to meet you in Bye-bye. person one day. Bye. Mm-hmm. Me too. Bye. Okay. All right. So I'm super pumped about this because based on what we know now, thanks to Susan, this is legislation for that that is moving things forward. It sounds like, you know, if you were going to pay for your own solar in Florida, you were fine anyway. But I do think all this energy – no pun intended, although that came out that way, um, is going to really help the solar market in Florida. And so um, if you've been waiting, go on and do it now. There's really great pricing available. If you're in central Florida, it sounds like, well, you've always been able to go to First Green Bank. Let me just say that in spades. First Green Bank does an excellent job. They're located in the Orlando area, um, and they've always had really, really good rates for uh, financing solar and just my two cents, I think I think you're better off financing solar as a second mortgage if you need to do that than doing a lease. 
Um, but that's my two cents. So um, we hope everyone in uh, Florida and people who have friends in Florida will listen to this and get excited and, and, and finally, you know, make the move to making the Sunshine State the solar-collecting Sunshine State. Did you know that one of the ways we like to support the sustainability community is by providing an opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be in our green business directory listing? You should get on it because we are getting thousands of visitors every year on all sizes of businesses and it's very exciting for the folks who are listed on the green business directory. This is what you do to get on. You go to southeastgreen.com. On the second tab, there is the green business directory listing. Click on that. There'll be a drop down menu and you can join the green business directory listing today. Not only will you be on the listing, but you will be sent out to over 10,000 accounts on our social media connections, and you'll also be listed in our next newsletter. So what are you waiting for? Join today. This is uh, Beth Bond signing out with Jeff Hicks and the Heretics, Life's a Peach.